Yeah. <laughs> it can event. Yeah. I'm in the search for peace at least and a better spot to settle. Hey everybody, welcome to the show, Community Spread. I'm your host, Kevin Lundell. On the pod today, we have Ogden City Council candidate Priscilla Martinez. And Priscilla really embodies the type of person you would want to represent you on a city level. She has such a unique background, and you're going to hear that in our conversation today, where she has a broad, diverse life experience, even though she's really young, that would lend itself to just representing a lot of different people. Priscilla has a master's of arts in public policy and administration from Northwestern University. She has worked for the Division of Child and Family Services, Weber Technical College, and most recently as a health program manager at Intermountain Healthcare. So she's really got the trifecta there, social services, education, and healthcare. And you know, it's that kind of broad unique experience that we would really want in a city council representative. And that leads me to the part of the podcast where I tell you a little bit about what I've been thinking about and what I've been learning about. The other day I was helping one of our CrossFit athletes prepare to become a coach. So I was going through the CrossFit level one manual and there was a statement in there that stated We fail at the margins of our experience. And when thinking about that in terms of physical exercise, that means that if we only run, then we're going to have a really hard time uh, picking up something heavy. And if we only run one mile, we're going to have a really hard time running three miles. And we're not going to be very good at running three miles because we only run one mile because the margin of our experience is only running and it's only running one mile. But if we are able to give ourselves a broad and diverse set of physical experiences, then the margins are wider and we will fail at less. And as I started thinking about this while I was in the middle of my workout, it was a really tough workout. And these are the sort of things I think about when I'm in the, the pain cave of a tough workout. But it, I started thinking, wow, that applies to life in so many ways. We fail at the margins of our experience. So if my experience only includes a small bubble in Utah and it's not able to look outside of it, I'm going to fail in a lot of ways. And so when I think about this in terms of city council, the city council fails to represent its citizens at the margins of its members' experience. This is why it's so important for us to elect a city council that is representative of its people, and ideally a city council person that is also diverse in their experiences. And I think you're going to see that in our conversation with Priscilla today. I hope that uh, you will learn a little bit of something about what it's like to run for an office. Um, We need more folks to turn up and run in races so that we can really reach into our population, really reach into that broad and diverse population that we have. So often we have just a really narrow group of folks that are running. And so I'm so grateful for Priscilla and for her stepping outside of her comfort zone and running for city council because her voice is really important and it could be so impactful 
on Ogden City Council. Our ballots are on your desk. If you are an Ogden resident, make sure you pick that up. Check the box for Priscilla. She's in District 3, so not everybody in Ogden can vote for her, but uh, it's going to be a really close race. And so I really appreciate her coming on the podcast today to sharing us her experiences. And I think you're going to learn something more than just about a campaign. And it's more than just about trying to push her to get uh, elected. It really fits right in with this podcast, which is a story about learning and stepping outside of our own lived experience and into someone else's like Priscilla so that we can learn from her and her experiences. So without further ado, Priscilla Martinez. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. We have Priscilla Martinez with us, who is a current Ogden City Council candidate for District 3. How are you, Priscilla? I'm doing well. Thanks for inviting me. Have you ever done a podcast before? Actually, I did a couple weeks ago. Um, yeah. <laughs> someone beat me to the punch. I'm not happy about that. Someone did. Someone did. Yes. <laughs> what was it? Tell us what it was. So we were, uh, it was KUER and, um, I think they titled it, what it, who gets to be a politician. Neat. I will have to go pull that one and listen yes. to that one. It's that a very really- short snippet. I think I'm on there for seven minutes. So you definitely get the unedited version of me today. Yeah, we're going to dive deep into Priscilla today. But, you know, Priscilla, uh, a, a while back, I actually was thinking about a run for city council. And I, I really, for probably several months, considered this. And I thought about what it would take. And at the end of the day, I was just like, this is too much for me at this time. And I knew what it was going to take a ton of hustle and a ton of work. So what has it been like for you so far? What have you learned going out there and like knocking on doors? What have you learned about knocking on doors that say uh, somebody deep in the bubble of politics like myself would not know about Ogden and our citizens? Well, you get to meet actually a lot of people and, um, who haven't really been involved in in the process or in politics. And really what I got uh, from door knocking is people said, I actually have never had someone knock on my door. You're you're my first candidate that I've ever met. And um, which was really nice because I really got to have a conversation about what the needs or what they felt we needed to change in Ogden. And so it was really a a grassroots effort, really trying to door knock as many doors as we could to really figure out um, what people in District 3 wanted. What was your experience? What what is the things that people want in Ogden as you knock the doors, the same things you hear about in in city council, like housing and um, uh, other other major issues of the time? Yeah, so housing was one, but there was another big one, and those were sidewalks and some of the maintenance. And so as I door knocked um, through the community, you can definitely see there was some inequities uh, between communities. So there was one community where the sidewalks weren't being fixed um, or they were just left um, there. And they said, you know, really, I I can't really walk in my sidewalk. I can't walk my father, who's elderly, 
because he might fall. Um, the streets, I had neighbors said, I can't even park my truck um, because the streets are not being maintained. And um, so that was one issue. And then on the other side of the community, um, the sidewalks were in great condition. So that really was not an issue there. Um, and so the issue there was probably more housing. They were worried about development, but you definitely saw, uh, saw two sides of the coin there. Um, and you definitely saw the inequities between neighborhoods as you door knocked. That's really interesting. I, I think uh, those of us who are, are connected and always thinking about politics, uh, don't think about those uh, real boots on the ground sort of problems that people face. Uh, day to day and, and you should be able to walk your elderly father uh, on a sidewalk somewhere. You know, that seems like some of the thing that would be a, a real, a real issue for, for someone in the neighborhood. You know, um, I've been watching you and I've been watching the debates and I've been watching uh, the, the work that, that you've, you've all been putting in and uh, you're, you're, you have an opponent. His name is Ken Ritchie. And mm-hmm. one of the things I've, I've been thinking a lot about is just how different the two of you are. And in the debates, one of the things he keeps talking about is how he uh, is a financial planner. And he's just like, oh, this is, this is super important because I'm a financial planner. So I can, um, you know, look at a budget and, and, and I, can, I can figure that out. But for me, I, I start thinking like, so you're a financial planner. And what that means is that you ultimately work almost exclusively with people that have wealth. I've had financial planners approach me and I'm like, Hey, I have a six figure student loan debt at 6.9% interest. So if you can guarantee me 6.9% return on my investment, then I'll put my money somewhere else other than a student loan. Right. Yeah. And so his, his full-time experience for the last several years that he's banking on and talking about is so, so important to his perspective on city council is working with people with wealth. Tell me how that differs from the work that you've done uh, here in Ogden over the past several years. And I think we're really different when it comes to our experience, um, right? Um, So really, I have been working in the community differently. Um, I remember um, being a DCFS caseworker here in Ogden and really started out my career doing, which is called ongoing too. So for some caseworkers there that are listening, um, ongoing is when you're um, working with the families to reunite their, uh, with their children um, after they've been through some issues. And what I really got to see is families who lived in Ogden who were struggling, um, struggling with either substance abuse issues, struggling to just get by in turning their their lights on in the winter. I remember um, meeting this family. We were checking in on them because their their lights were off. The heater they didn't have heat, and and I actually went in, went out with law enforcement and just to let you know, DCFS doesn't have the greatest reputation. And so as we knocked the mom was so afraid to let me in because she thought I was going to go and possibly remove her child. Ultimately we did work it out and we, you know, I was able to offer her services. I was able to kind of help her, um, 
and pinpoint to her some resources where she's she was going to be able to have heat in her home and and so really just see regular families in Ogden um, who were just trying to make it, um, who were just trying to get better. Um, and I, 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 you know, I, I then, but my soul could only take so much. <laughs> After I can, I can imagine. Husband. Tell me, tell yeah. me really quickly. I like, so, you know, you are, are working with someone in, in this situation who doesn't have heat in their home. And it's starting to get cold for us here. I think all of us have flipped on our furnaces now and we live in these nice climate controlled areas. How, how did that work when you were working with DCFS? Would you go back with the city and were there programs, were there resources? Was it about making those connections between the families and the cities and utilizing those resources? Um, how did you do that? Yeah. So I remember going into the home and it was really cold. Um, and I remember mom, um, had, a, a young um, daughter, I, she must've been six or seven. And what we did is we had, um, a resource pamphlet and then we were able to hope, um, refer her to services. I think there's some services, I think it's called heat, um, or the help you pay for utilities. Um, we also made a, a plan, um, if she had immediate family right then and there, then she had the option to um, stay with the family until we can figure out her situation um, during that time. Um, I checked up on her after that week after providing her resources and she was able to get her lights back on and her heat. And so um, that was really nice to see. Yeah. So, I mean, again, going back to contrast, between between you and your opponent, your opponent's uh, job is oftentimes trying to figure out where to place someone's you know six figure nest egg and and where it can make them the most money in what uh, portfolio. And you are in our community trying to um, connect people to uh, services so they can keep their lights on. And when I think about the job of a city council member, you know they have staff that helps them balance the you know that can balance a checkbook, you know, <laughs> like, but what we really need to know from our city council candidates is what are their priorities? Mm -hmm. And you have extensive experience in seeing people and looking in their, in their eyes and seeing these services benefit the government at work, benefiting and helping people. And I just think that's a really stark contrast. Yeah. I really, when I, decided to run, I really, and maybe we'll get into this later, but there was a need um, to really elevate those voices that were in the community that we were being left out from the changes. And because I had been so involved in the community, you know, I fell in love with Ogden. I fell in love with the people of Ogden. And I really wanted to make sure that I was that voice that I um, could be that person um, to advocate for them, regardless of either your social economic status, regardless of your political affiliation. But I wanted to champion um, those voices 
you know, another another big difference between uh, between you and your opponent is that he has, uh, you know, oftentimes touting that he's born and raised here in Ogden, like myself, like I was. And that can be a good thing. You got deep roots here. You know uh, about Ogden a lot. But however, a, a different experience outside of Ogden, I think, is really important as well and a different background than just your average uh run-of-the-mill Ogdenite, been here forever, have Mormon pioneer ancestry um, like myself and, and, and many others here. So let's go back. I want to hear about uh, Priscilla, about your family. Um, you are a first-generation uh, American here. Uh, tell me about your family and when did your, your family move to the United States and where? Yeah, so um, my parents are from Oaxaca, Mexico, um, a really beautiful place in Mexico. They have all types of foods. We're actually known for types of mole. Um, and you haven't tried mole, you need to. Love me some mole. <laughs> uh, so definitely uh, we had some rich food. Where's your favorite place for mole? Uh, here? Yes. I haven't found one yet. So oh, if anyone no. knows of a mole place, let me know. <laughs> and I'm willing to try that. <laughs> so, yeah, my parents moved from Mexico in the late 60s, so almost 70s. I think my dad was about 16 years old um, and he started working right away in Los Angeles, California. And uh, really worked. Um, what did he do? So he started out cooking, I believe. <laughs> so he started out cooking and is a great cook now. Um, he's too impatient to, to teach me, but um, <laughs> is a great cook now and really, really worked most of my childhood, worked one or two jobs, really just making minimum wage at that time. And I really, really saw how hard he worked. And I wanted to make sure when I was older, I could take care of him and my mom. Yeah. So, and you were born in, in LA and then uh, your family ends up, you or your family ends up moving to Utah. How, how did the, how did you end up here? Yeah. So, um, so I was born. Yeah. I was born in LA. And then, um, so my dad and my mom at that moment decided to move to Utah, um, to West Valley city. Uh, we had family here already. And, um, I think I was in elementary school when we decided to move to West Valley, what was happening in LA, um, in the nineties, um, if you can't recall, but there was a lot of gang violence during that time. And Kevin, I don't think I mentioned this to you, but I remember living in a neighborhood um, um, where a lot of drive-bys were happening. And so, um, so there was a lot of shootings. And I think my father and my mom really saw... Um, the opportunity to start something new in West Valley, which was amazing. You know, I um, went to school here and then after a while, you know, my parents did separate and my father went back to live in LA and my mom actually stayed in Utah. And so um, I think I was about 12 or 13 years old when I actually moved to LA to live with my dad. I really, really missed him and decided to um, stay in LA for a couple of years. Wait, and so tell me about that experience. So like you are living in Utah and yes. I, I mean, West Valley might be like 
semi-diverse a little bit, but like, how many difference between? It actually wasn't really. It wasn't I at all. To, um, I remember going to Eisenhower Junior High, which is in Taylorsville, and not really seeing students of color or um, at that time. And so, and the culture was different, right? And so, moving back to LA, um, where you know, students in LA were very different. They talked different. I actually talked different. I had the Utah accent. <laughs> I'm sure you did at that point. You were living in the, in the, LA. In the mountains? <laughs> yes, mountains. Um, they, um, yeah, so they saw me differently, you know? And so that experience was definitely different. Um, I remember, um, so I started junior high and then it was time to go to high school. And I had to actually apply um, to a high school that was an hour away from my home just because of the surrounding high schools at that time were not the best. And so I entered a lottery system to uh, hopefully get to a school that was um, closer to the beach, <laughs> uh, which was still an hour away. And so I, I luckily I did get in and I traveled um, by bus um, to high school um, just to get a better education, um, just because of the options that I had were very limited. Um, they didn't have the greatest schools, didn't have the greatest reputation. So I had to travel outside of where I lived. And so you you go through high school, living in, in, in that area, and you eventually end up navigating your way through college, uh, being the first in your family to graduate from college. Is that correct? I did. I know my uh, dad, who is, you know... Um, really pushed for me to go to college. And we really didn't know what that was going to look at, look like. I, I, you know, I didn't really have immediate family members um, that had gone to college. I was the oldest. And so um, I remember talking to a counselor. And at that time, he actually suggested for me to go to community college and then transfer, um, but really warned me at that time to really finish community college because he said that many actually don't finish um they and so ultimately they drop out so i he, he did his i know this is true right like of of uh people uh pe people of color are have much higher dropout rates and it's a lot of times because they'll they're moving to a different place they don't have uh, any kind of financial thing uh, community to to step back on financial support to step back on if something doesn't go their way immediately like uh, maybe a, a car breaks down or or just something comes up it immediately derails them a family member dies they have to go like it immediately derails them and and they have troubles uh, graduating and that's what yeah, they were think, warning you about right yeah and, and and in general I think first generation students um, or like myself. Um, I have to work right to help my family um, with with rent or utility. So you're navigating that as well. So, wow. um, yeah. It, it, so and you're you're the oldest in your family. Is that correct? Uh huh. So I'm brothers the and sisters, or yeah. So I have a sister. Um, she's actually active duty. She's um, right now in Las Vegas, Nevada, um, at the Nellis Air, Air Force Base. I have another brother, Gerardo, and he is um, at University of Utah, I believe, hopefully starting uh, studying engineering. And then I have two, three little brothers. <laughs> 
I have one that's in California. He's also, he's actually studying financial analyst and he's going to turn 21 next year. And then I have two little ones who will have birthdays this week or this month. So <laughs> big family. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. We're all over the place. <laughs> and you were, uh, it sounds like you were actually working, uh, even some of that time while you're going to college to kind of help the family. Is is that correct? Is that what you said? Yeah, I did for, for some time. And then I found it very difficult. Um, so once, once I got out of high school, um, you know, I taught myself how to do the FAFSA. I got, I went through community college, Santa Monica college, and, um, it was a new world. Um, so really having to hold yourself accountable to finish your classes and time management. Um, and luckily, I, I did have counselors that helped me navigate that system. But um, it was new. It was new to me. And um, I actually did join a club, a Latino Student Union Club, where I became president <laughs> of that club. Of course, of course you did. <laughs> I, I was actually really young and there was a need to actually fundraise scholarships at that time for some of our Latino students or Latinx students um, in the school. And so that's kind of where I guess uh, I gravit gravitated to. I saw a need and the need was for students um, Latinx or Latino students to receive a scholarships to keep going um, to school. Awesome. Awesome program. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot about how much, how important these sorts of experiences are to you as a, as a candidate for city council, you navigated a difficult system uh, kind of on your own, uh, which is the FAFSA. If anybody's ever filled out a FAFSA, it's like, you, you start approaching it and you're like, oh, this is too much. I just have to turn it off for a while and then I'll come back and chip away at it again. Um, after you do it a few times, you start to get better at it. But um, it's, a, it's a pain. And, and a lot of our systems uh, that help support people are that way. I think this is a big barrier to folks receiving services, uh, whether that be trying to get a, a Pell Grant for college or whether that be trying to get assistance to keep your heat on. Um, and so having that personal experience uh, is really important. It allows you to, to really step inside the shoes of those uh, in our community that, are, that uh, are, are living paycheck to paycheck and trying to, to, to get their education and trying to uh, keep the lights on. Yeah, I remember, um, you know, experiencing this when I went to Ogden, when I was working with Ogden Weaver Technical College and I was helping students enroll and a lot were first-generation students who really um, were trying to go back to school, uh, were trying to help their families, and they needed a career um, within that year or two to get to work and provide for their families. And I saw that Wait, a lot. Wait, so you actually have... You just, we just kind of breeze through that. So you work, you work with DCFS, you, you're, you're with them and you're, you're helping these really, really difficult situations. And you said, we, just for a second there, my heart can only take so much. And, and I, can, I can imagine, you know, that uh, that's just a hard job, probably a job that someone um, just for their own mental health and everything else can only be in for so long. And then you work for Weber Technical College and you're actually doing for uh, first generation students, the thing that you navigated by your own, on your own and with the help of other counselors. Yeah, 
and that's exactly why I jumped into education was because I wanted to help um, students or future students who who were first generation students or really families who were just trying to um, upgrade their skill or maybe they were laid off and um, they were going yeah, back probably to some school. folks later in life. Yeah, mm-hmm. like in their in their thirties, trying to get a new career or something like that. You see some yeah. of those too. So I loved it. I lo- I loved my job there. I loved the work that I did, um, and you really saw the impact that you know going and getting education had, and um, and you saw it at the end. They were able to get a certificate and then able to get a job right after, um, and so that was really rewarding um, to see. Yeah, absolutely. You're right there working with our community and helping advance. You know, these are the sort of experiences and programs uh, that are are much needed uh, in our community to help, you know, build a healthy, sustainable middle class, which is the lifeblood of any and all uh, of our communities. So you move, you've got the social experience, the education experience, and then you what what are you doing now currently? So now I'm with Intermountain Healthcare. I'm a program manager there. And I um, my portfolio includes uh, diabetes prevention and air quality. Um, so my areas include Weber County as well. Diabetes prevention and air quality. I can't think of uh, uh, <laughs> two more like much needed programs yeah. and challenging programs at the same time and this is like the trifecta for like a person that like you would want serving your community right like we're talking uh social services education and health right like this is the this is the (laughs) ultimate trifecta i feel like um tell me what you what you what do you do on a day-to-day basis when you're trying to prevent diabetes and uh improve our air quality yeah you know i really have my hands everywhere (laughs) (laughs) um so uh, with diabetes prevention, we really pair up with um, local organizations to deliver a diabetes screening um, test for our community. I know that we just um, paired up with Youth Impact um, here in Ogden. And so what they're doing is they're uh, delivering a screening test to our community. And um, that has been great. And hopefully we'll we're able to follow up with them if they do um, score high on that screening test for diabetes and for air quality. Super important. Super important. Can I uh, pause on that one for just a second? Yeah, Uh, go ahead. Sorry, I have to. Yes, youth youth impact. Yes, (laughs) go ahead. (laughs) Um, You know, being in the the health profession myself, um, you know, early detection uh, of diabetes is, is super important. Um, for a number of reasons, uh, it, the further along it gets, the the more impact having high blood sugar has on uh, your your nerves, on your eyesight, on your hearing, on all kinds of things that does real irreparable damage um, to your health. And and secondly, um, you know, type two diabetes can be reversed um, if someone. Uh, catches it early and and gets on the right medication and starts doing making good lifestyle changes, but uh, you can't do that uh, until you know that you're you're really in that situation. And uh, a lot of times, people don't you know they just they they don't know they've been running around with high blood sugar for for quite some time until they've been screened by somebody out there in the community doing it. Yeah, you're no, you're right. I think a lot of us don't know 
um, until we get screened um, for diabetes. So definitely important work. And um, I'm happy to still be um, working in, in Weber County. So let's talk about air quality. You know, we've been staring at smoke uh, for the last, it's (laughs) cleared out since the weather changed. And I know the smoke is not necessarily from us, but in the winter, we get these inversions that are a lot from um, Utah pollution and uh, air quality. You know, we know that Utah has some of the worst. And actually, this is kind of interesting because you you used to live in LA and LA Mm -hmm. had a big air quality problem. They implemented things from the government to correct it, to fix it. And their air quality is better. Like this is something, they are an example of things in a way that we can actually, um, that government can actually help our air quality. So tell me what um, you would do as a city council person and also what you are doing with your job. Yes. And I actually have family and friends who say, I didn't realize Utah had one of the worst air quality (laughs) in the nation. And so they are super surprised. So right now what we're doing at Intermountain is looking at ways of how first, how to reduce energy, and then also replacing some of our system fleet um, to um, alternative fuel. Um, So your electric vehicles, your hybrids, Um, we're also looking into installing charging stations as well into some of our uh, major local hospitals at Intermountain. Um, We're also looking at at how much our system fleet is idling because that also impacts our air. I also, I believe Intermountain also purchased a solar farm um, to reduce that energy. And so there's so many things that's happening. We're also implementing idling free signages in our Intermountain hospitals. And so I'm actually really excited uh, to be able to implement what I have learned at Intermountain if I do get elected as city council, because I think we can do so much more and um for our city and really reduce our energy use. And so um, I'm really, really excited. Awesome. And, you know, our, uh, it's never been more clear that we are in a, a dire situation with our climate than it mm-hmm. has been this year. You know, we really, these, the smoke, I got, I think for one of the first times in my life, like, kind of depressed, uh, staring at smoke for like two months and not being able to like go. I, I, I took a few weekends where I didn't ride my bike. Cause I, I was like, I could, it's kind of like packing a uh, smoking a pack of cigarettes. if I go out and try to ride my bike and that's one of the things I used to de-stress and I couldn't do that. And I, and, and it was just gloomy out there all the time. I couldn't see our beautiful mountains and, um, our, I, I swim regularly up at Pineview Dam and every mm-hmm. week I would go, the dam would just drop and drop and drop. And I never are the buoys that we swim around. There's an, there's a, uh, 800 meter buoy course that you swim around up there. And, uh, you know, about midsummer, the buoys were, some of the buoys were on the beach, uh, and we could no longer swim 800 meters, uh, around there. And I, I've never seen it like that. And, and so it's really in right up there in front of us. And I know that Ogden is doing, uh, is, is pairing with other um, cities in, in this program that they, they kind of were hesitant to get on and, and, and then they started getting on. Do you know, what do you know about that program and what would you do with that program or use influence that you have in your experience um, 
in in Ogden City Council if you were elected? Mm-hmm. I think you know I, some of some of whoever's listening might have heard me say this already, but um, I really think um, this is a great opportunity for Ogden to lead in renewable energy efforts um, and being able to take care of our air quality and really just taking the lead and we do also need to be at the table because we need to know what that is going to look like for Ogden, right? And um, also advocating for our community if we see something that isn't going to completely fit um, with Ogden. And so I am completely excited that city council um, did decide to go forward um, with, I believe, supporting um, the it's called the CREA, and I'm forgetting the <laughs> the right name for it right now. I've listened to it a few times too, and I can't remember what it is either. But it's like a, it's a compact between multiple cities that they're going to do a study, basically. Um, and we committed some money to the study as a city as well, and the cities could opt in or opt out. And we were kind of late to the table. And I love how you said, yeah. I love how you said Ogden. It's time for Ogden to lead because. I agree with you, like Ogden should be leading on these issues. Ogden is a, a more progressive city than some of our neighboring cities. And we should be leading on this instead of dragging our feet and sli- barely like right at the last second, they'd already had one meeting with this compact before Ogden City decided to get in. And uh, I think if you know Priscilla was there, she'd be uh, like, hey, yeah, um, along with Angela. I know Angela was big yes. Angela Chaburka, who I will be voting for as well, um, who is in district one. Um, but yeah, I love how you said that leading on, on this. Yeah. And I just remembered community renewable energy act. <laughs> she got it. Yes. She got it. Um, and shout out to Angela. Love her. <laughs> yes. So much so. <laughs> Uh, so tell me how all of these, you know, we, we went through just, I mean, we breezed through your history, um, <laughs> as a, uh, first generation Mexican American to, to be here. You're, uh, a, a really, a really young person, but you have all this diverse experience. How has, and I think that, that, uh, that being a young person uh, is also really important because we don't have many of those on city council. Like, I mean, we have some, like. Ben and Luis aren't old. Don't tell them I said that. I think they're old. <laughs> they're older than me. But uh, it's really important, right, to have a have a diverse group there. So I think that's a, a big thing too. But how have these experiences uh, really uh, informed your run uh, for city council? Wow. So that is. <laughs> such a heavy question, I think, um, because I can definitely respond it, respond to your question in different angles. Um, and yes, tell I think first, I'm young. Tell me first culturally, like just like as a, as a, as a woman of color, like, like, yeah. What, what is that? What has that experience been like in a predominantly white community? Oh, okay. Yes. I can definitely, um, speak to, I mean, what's been happening with my campaign. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, the reason why I really decided to run or knew I could do it was because I didn't see myself being represented in the city council. I didn't see a woman of color at the city municipal building. 
right? I don't see if you go there and, and I'd actually invite you to go and look at some of the frames they have there. And I don't know if they still have them, but you won't see any woman of color up there. And, um, and Has there I, been I a woman of color early. on the Ogden City Council yet so far in history? Would, would you be the first? We'd have to go look into that. I don't think I'd be the first woman of color. I might be the first Latina. Uh, We'd have to go through history, but I might be the first Latina. Um, so you you said you were going on. Sorry, I interrupted you. Um, you were talking about um, how you... Uh, didn't see yourself represented. Yeah, I didn't see myself represented. I just remember this instance um, and um, going to the municipal building for a diversity commission meeting, and which I've chaired as well, and um, talking to my friend Viviana about how great it would be uh, for a woman of color or just a woman to run uh, for city council. And that's when she turned to me and, and really said, well, why can't you? And so um, that was the turning point for me of saying, okay, I actually, I can really do this. Um, I can run. But it really took a year of me going back and forth, whether I wanted to run or not. There were so many fears that I had with running, you know, how are people going to look at me? How are people going to perceive me when I decided to finally announce um, that I was going to run? How much of my life was I going to be put out there? Will people accept me because I wasn't completely born here, right? But I love Ogden and I worked here and volunteered here and fell in love with the city. And, um, and all I can do is let the community know how much love I had um, for Ogden. And so um, I still had those fears up until I publicly decided to run. Um, before that, we were running a whisper campaign, which people kind of started figuring out that I was going to run, but it wasn't officially announced yet. And you know, having to really push through those fears and really put in the back of my mind because there were times where I was like, that's nope, I am not running. I'm going to back out. I'm going to quit right now today. Um, but really having to push through that. Um, and I really had some really great support in the beginning who really, really believed that I could do it. And they were right. You know, I think I've watched uh, you campaign and just been uh, really impressed uh, with your work, work ethic and your ability to, to, to stand in front of a group and, and talk and be uh, bold in your ideas and opinions. And uh, that says a lot about what kind of leader you would be in our community. And if uh, you got elected and Angela got elected and Marcia got reelected, uh, who they're both currently on city council, there would be three women uh, on city council and uh, we're getting closer to that uh, representative representative that we need which is because you know 50 percent of our uh, population fyi is actually women and so that is really important to have uh their voice seat at a table as important mm -hmm. as um, the people that that decide where uh, our tax dollars go and and where they're allocated and, and what sort of um programs that they get put into it's really important 
Yes, <laughs> I definitely agree. <laughs> well, I, I, you know, having thought about that process myself, and maybe I'll run someday, but those thoughts are, are were totally in my mind too. Uh, that even being a white male dude, you know, that it, that putting yourself out there for that kind of scrutiny uh, is hard. And so regardless of the outcome, like incredible job, just, and, and you didn't do it like so many of these other, mostly the white male dudes that are running for city council, they're running for city council right now. Like they just threw their hat in the ring and they didn't really run. Like they didn't really, they're not really trying <laughs> uh, from what I've seen. Priscilla's stone faced right now. She's like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going there. I'm not saying that only Kev is, but they're really not like, I'm like, these guys aren't even trying right now, but Priscilla, uh, you really put your heart into it and your soul into it and uh, took it very seriously like it should be. And so I, I commend you for that. Um, do you have anything else you want to say uh, to those listening that um, might be um, deciding to vote uh, next week or in a couple of weeks? Well, they're going to have their ballots. Um, yeah, I just, you know, wanted um, them to know that um, I really have seen the needs of the community through my work um, at Ogden Weaver Technical College, at DCFS, chairing the Diversity Commission as well, and um, now with Intermountain Healthcare. And um, I really saw a need to elevate those voices because of the changes happening in Ogden. And I think we've all felt um, when we haven't been heard. And I really wanted... Um, us to be involved in those changes. And, and like I've said before, um, it's no secret that Ogden looks a lot different than maybe the Ogden that you grew up in. And so having to really um, make sure that those voices that might be left behind are at the table. Absolutely. So Listeners out there, I know there are quite a few of you in Ogden. Go uh, to your mailbox, or it's probably sitting on your counter over there right now. And if you live <laughs> yeah. in District 2, or District 3, I'm sorry, District 3, uh, Priscilla, tell us where District 3 it kind of is roundabout-ish so uh, maybe our listeners can hear. Yeah, so District 3, such a weird map, but it's between 12 and 24th Street. It does go up a little bit in the East Bench, and it wraps around a little bit between 2nd and 4th Street. And so if, so if you, you live, live in those there, areas. Yeah, in those areas. If you live in those areas, just go to your ballot anyway and just check to see if Priscilla's yes. name is on it. Because then if you do you, live in her district. <laughs> yeah, so if you've just moved here and haven't registered to vote yet. Um, That's good, too. You should definitely do that. Um, if you didn't receive a mail-in ballot, that's okay. You can look um, for your nearest polling location at OgdenCity.com, I believe. Um, and we'll put up some in links person. in the show notes about where to do that because um, I think we can look that up. And I believe you can register how like almost same day maybe in Utah to vote. I don't know. I'll find that out. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find that out when, when the last day to, to, uh, to register is, but yeah, you can still register. Uh, and if, if Priscilla is on the ballot, make sure you check her name. Remember that Priscilla, this background still, like, I didn't even think I realized this until tonight, social services, uh, education and health. You cannot yeah. like, that is the, that is the person that you would want representing you. Uh, the person that knows where to put, uh, our resources to help the most in our community. Priscilla has those, um, 
those experiences to really deliver on those. So you can choose Priscilla or you can choose uh, the the guy that helps people put their six-figure incomes uh, and to help them make more money. So, but we'll... <laughs> We'll just choose Priscilla. Thanks so much for coming on today. Uh, it was such a pleasure to get to know you better. No, thank you so much, Kevin. I appreciate you and um, appreciate your invite. Absolutely. We learned so much. Um, that's what the show is about, is learning from other people's experiences. And um, I think you shared some of those with us today. And just the experience of running for city council, that's one we haven't had on the show yet. And um, what an awesome experience and for me to learn from and from our listeners to learn from. So yeah. thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. I'm in the search for peace at least. And that's it for the show today. Thank you everyone for listening. Again, pick up your ballots if you're in Ogden. If you're not in Ogden, you're probably having a municipal uh, election soon and they are very important. So check out all of those candidates and make sure you go out and vote. As always, we have to thank August the Great for our amazing theme music. Decker Yazi for our artwork and the my man, Dan Martinez on the back end, really making this all happen. Thanks, Dan. Everybody have a great day. Community Spread is a Deep State Media production. It's produced by me, Kevin Lundell, and directed and edited by Dan Martinez. <laughs>